I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthold, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. We lost our fourth game in a row, Robbie. Miami took us down 20 to 14. How you feeling, man? We're at the numbing stage. Like when you got like a really, you know, when you stub like your toe really bad and you're like, you know, running around like cursing and then it just numbs out after a bit or you broke your toe. Like I've done that before. I I am at the full out numbing out stage with this fourth loss. So uh, that's, yeah. that's where I'm at. How about you? About the pain the has set in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I would have to agree. It it hurt, and more so during the game, there was the frustrations that I was feeling. We'll talk about that. But now, yeah, to the losses, I am just kind of numb because this is the third time in the last few years that we've had a four-game losing streak. We're, we're starting to get used to it. Why don't you give us a cheers? See if you can pick us up a little bit. <laughs> cheers to our listeners that call in because I just did another listen to the recording that you all will be hearing here shortly. And it put, put a smile on my face. Not so much because I can hear the pain in everybody's voices, but just to know I'm not alone. Pete, that's all, that's all I'm looking for (laughs) at this point is I just need to know that it's not just me sitting here talking into a microphone pulling my hair out at, at this team. So we we're all in this together. Cheers to that. Years ago on the podcast, I said, you know, if you're ever feeling bad about the loss, just keep in mind that I am taking it worse than you are. (laughs) (laughs) Me and or Robbie used to take the losses very hard. And now I'm not so sure that's the case. And we will play our calls very soon here. And (laughs) there are still a lot of Hokie fans suffering. Some of them take a, you know, more, uh, can let it roll off their back a little easier, joke about it. And and that's kind of where we're at at this point. But trust me, we had those days that it hurts. And a lot of times it still does hurt. But it's nice to know that we have dedicated fans enough that they are bleeding orange and maroon with every one of these losses and it's killing them. Um, And hopefully we can get back to our winning ways. The second half of the season, we got a bye week next week, which is a nice relief. We, uh, we don't have to play this upcoming weekend and maybe the coaches will, will get things together, rally around uh, the guys a little bit, get them, get them juiced up in the locker room and we'll go out and we'll win a few games down the stretch. But let's get in 
to some of the other action because it was a great weekend of college football, and that Tennessee-Alabama game was center stage. What an awesome game that turned out to be. Crazy. Uh, Hendon Hooker, I was, we were, I was with my wife, and my wife had not been paying attention to Tennessee at all. She's an Ohio State fan. So she, I had mentioned Hendon Hooker, and that game seemed to be the way it was going, was going to solidify him, you know, as one of the top two. And, you know, she was like, yeah, you know, no, no chance, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I think it did. Hendon Hooker just had an amazing game. He was confident, just an amazing quarterback. The atmosphere of the game was incredible. The finish was unbelievable with yeah. Alabama missing the field goal and then Tennessee kicking it through, ripping down the field goal posts. Everything was just uh it was pretty lights out. It was it was such a cool environment to witness and when Tennessee's playing really well, and Nayland looks like that. It is one of the best environments in college football. And it is it is cruel, though, that we have to see Hendon be this good at a time when we are struggling so bad. I think that if, you know, if we were still a top 25 team, even if we had a couple losses, we, it would be a lot easier to stomach him just being this good. And I know most Hokie fans, including us, are happy for him, but it it still doesn't like take away all the pain. <laughs> I know. Well, I mentioned to you and Joe via text, and we've hit on this before with Hendon. We hit it on it last year, but yeah. that game, it really just all hit me like in one wave. And I sent you guys the text message of, of all the things that Fuente was coming in. The one thing that you kind of felt good about and confident about given his track record, you felt like he was pretty good quarterbacks coach. How how do you screw up like Hendon Hooker to the point where relieved from that program and that coaching staff, he has now just blossomed like absolutely. Mm-hmm. It is such a bad look for for that that staff. And it really um, is. It's that that also is kind of the depressing part. It's not even it's not even like, oh, what would Hendon Hooker be like with us right now? Because he wouldn't be mm-hmm. as good. I mean, that offense, and um, it's just, they're relentless. They were throwing, they, on the fourth and six where they decided to go for it, they, you know, they had him throw a 40-yard bomb on a fourth and six. Like, they are relentless, and it's really exciting to watch because they were not scared of Alabama at, at all. So it's not so much, oh, I wish Hendon Hooker was still with us. It's more depressing to think of, the coaching staff that we had that was not able to take full advantage of what he was and so much so that he felt like he needed to leave the program. Yeah, and there have been a lot of transfer QBs that have either been in Heisman contention or won the Heisman. However, a lot of times those QBs are coming from Ohio State and Joe Burrow or Alabama and Jalen Hurts, who was a runner-up, who ended up leaving behind a very good quarterback at that university. Or guys like Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray, who there was, you know, maybe a staff change or something at the previous university, or the guy just really wasn't any good at that first university, and then he found his footing. Hooker was good and was at our school and kept having to fight these other less good quarterbacks to be the starter. Yeah. Um, and 
like so it's not like there was no potential like when he did play yeah. we saw him play really well and i remember talking to some of my buddies like when this is all said and done his stats are going to be better than tyrod's stats yeah. like if he had stayed at tech all that stuff like he was going to be a better quarterback than tyrod at tech and then i felt kind of stupid about that when he gets benched the next year and all that stuff but that was right like that was the right thought like yes. hooker was always the most talented quarterback and yeah. we, most of us fans knew that. And it was clear to witness. Like when what Willis started in 2019, everyone's like, what, what's this about? Yep. And there, Hendon had some injury problems and whatever else. But I put out the thing how in his first spring game, three months into being at Tech, when he should still be in high school, he went 10 of 11 in the spring game. Like, yeah. you know, he's a 17, 18-year-old kid, you know, hitting almost every pass in the spring game against 22-year-olds and Brandon Faison. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's it's just crazy that that wasn't identified and held on to tightly. Yeah, yeah. and good for him. I mean, he's in yeah. Josh Heupel's program. Heupel is a offensive genius. He's a, he's a national championship quarterback himself, um, winning quarterback himself. So he is... Um, he knows what to do, and I'm happy for Hendon. I'm, I hope he, I hope he keeps it going, and I hope he, I hope he makes it to the Heisman uh, award ceremony, and I hope he, hope he wins. I'd love it. Yeah, and it shouldn't be lost on anyone that yes, that system where Hendon went, the time that he went, all of it was perfect. Like yeah. the talent that was incoming to Tennessee at the time, getting Jalen Hyatt, a former Tech commit, at the same time, like. Everything worked out really well for Hendon in that respect. And so, no, that he wouldn't have had the same success here. We wouldn't be talking about Hendon winning a Heisman at Tech, nor would we be talking about a 10-win season for Tech because the talent around him wouldn't have been good enough. But the fact of the matter is he was really good, and if he had been developed properly and they had recruited better around him, we could have had a lot of success with him. But. Yep, all true. Water under the bridge. Wake is at number 13. Q's at number 14. <laughs> And NC State at number 23 after flopping in that matchup in the Dome. UNC pops into the rankings at number 22 after coming back against Duke. And if I didn't say it already, Tennessee did move to three. Bama dropped back to number six behind Clemson, who beat Florida State. I have a couple thoughts there. One, you don't just walk into the Carrier Dome. (laughs) A sold-out Carrier Dome with no air conditioning and take on that defensive monster. Good for them. Mm-hmm. They're about to get steamrolled by Clemson, in my opinion. But good on good on the Orange. What they're doing, they they deserve it. Um, the Dino drop uh, got to get got played, so that would uh, that's nice. The second thing is, if you're looking for somebody to mope with or just you know live in the doldrums with, go find a Notre Dame fan because <laughs> Notre Dame. Just got their their butts kicked by Stanford in their own house, and they are terrible. And that is, um, it, I don't know how. I still can't fathom how UNC, you know, you know, played that way against them, given what UNC has been doing. So it is, uh, it's bizarre. I think that Marcus Freeman just needs to work on its consistency because against Ohio State played a fantastic game against yep. UNC, a very good team, played a fantastic game, but then he plays way worse competition and Marshall who is since you know really on the struggle bus lost to Marshall and then loses to Stanford to a a team and a program that's just been on the downtrend so yeah I think there's talent there and when they play at their best they can they can whoop up on people but they they don't have the consistency right now yep 
so it's it's interesting and um you know we have nc state coming up they are in a bad way right now mm-hmm. no doubt uh with the loss of their quarterback for the year and i don't know everything seems crazy the alabama losing michigan is steamrolling absolutely steamrolling penn state it was it was a very interesting uh weekend overall yeah there were some some wild finishes the tcu game was yep. pretty nuts and the, like I mentioned the Duke comeback, but like, um, or the UNC comeback on Duke, I should say, but Duke could have had that game. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's right. Um, the Utes pulled it off, uh, in a tough game. UCLA remains undefeated. It's a, it's very strange season. Let's just yeah. put it that way. So UCLA, Oregon is this weekend, right? That's, yes. that's, that's coming up. That's I, a big one. I played golf with the guy yesterday. His son is a cornerback at Oregon. Um, wow. So he's excited. He thinks I, this might be a shocker. He thinks they're going to win this weekend <laughs> So with his son playing cornerback for them. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Let's get to the depth chart injury update. Dorian Strong didn't play again. Gosnell didn't play again. And Murray, Breon Murray, he might as well be out because yeah. he, he was terrible in this game. Garbett started. Uh, he might have left the game at one point, but he had a pretty outstanding game. He did. And then Peoples got ejected for targeting, but it wasn't the first half, so we should have him for the next game. So that's nice. Uh, if we could get Dorian Strong back with the way Mansoor Delane, Delaney is playing, like yeah. that would be awesome because yeah. we'll talk about his performance, but he looks like he could really be a stud for us. Yeah, and that Peoples targeting call was atrocious that was so it it was bad and then we came back like two plays later with the absolutely like it was a targeting late hit it was not even just one or the other it was a targeting late hit like out of bounds um by miami oh my god yeah and not only did they throw a flag and then they like picked up the flag and i'm like (laughs) i'm like you just followed up one of the worst targeting calls I've ever seen, like bar none, that was reviewed. And then the other one you picked up the flag on. It's just, I, I hate officiating. I, some days. I know it's a cop-out to say, like, I don't know what they're doing with targeting anymore, but it is really hard to keep track. Like, it really is hard to keep track. I mean, Mallory is falling to the ground. His head is basically on the turf. Peoples goes as low as he possibly can, hits him with his shoulder, not his helmet, yeah. He hits him in the head, but like he, what's he supposed to do? The head's on the ground, and, and he gets called for the target call. Like I, I don't know what Peoples could have done to. And he purposely that. moved his head to the side and right. led with like his shoulder instead. And like I said to you, the only thing he could have done was a two hand touch. That's right. the only and just thing like that once he, or let him hit the ground and hope that he's down. You yeah. know, like it, it's just so annoying. We moved down one spot in. The SP Plus, we are number 87 now, and then we're 116th on offense. We really haven't moved much. It's like one spot here, two spots there in those two categories, and we are 43rd on defense and still 30th on special teams. It's time to get to the reaction line, Robbie. We had a lot of calls. I will say we're 
is it a parabola that I think we're approaching the access on where, you know, you have like the line and there's only so much movement you can make when you're like <laughs> that far towards the bottom. So the, the movements can't be that significant at this point, in particular with our offensive ranking. But yes, no. I'm, I'm excited for the, uh, the reaction line here. Yeah, yeah. We got a bunch of calls and uh, we'll play those for you right now and then react for you. We're about to leave the game. I have a lot of thoughts, but uh, I don't know. I really just want to keep it kind of simple. So just one thing to say, and that's fuck Miami. Like, uh, yeah, fuck Miami. That's my message now. That's going to be my message later. When I call in again after the game, you'll probably be able to tell from my tone how it went. But my message is going to remain the same. Fuck Miami. Pete, Robbie, Hokie Nation, can someone please explain to me how there wasn't a game on ACC Network in the 12 o'clock window? But somehow, Virginia Tech-Miami gets relegated to RSN. The ACC Network is a joke. Absolutely atrocious. Anyway, that was a terrible game. We stink, but yeah. Anyway, go Huggies. That was a uh, that was a tough one to watch. Well, that was pretty tough to watch for three quarters. We are a basketball school. We are no longer the Hokies. We are the Stinkies. Yeah, this your boy Joe Rogers. I'm trying to figure out what these coaches do all week, man. Do they watch them? Do they even practice special teams? My uh, wife's been watching me the whole game, asking, checking in, seeing what the score is. I don't know. I think she's scared if I'm going to go Chris Benoit. Play Bryce Duke for Halston. Keep playing Delaney over Murray. Play right over Gallo. Gallo is slow as molasses, man. Thought for sure we were going to see the shutout streak end. So glad to see that did not happen. This team, uh, this team did not quit. They said, not today, Satan. They said, not today, Satan. Fuck Miami. Just in time this game ended to watch Hinton Hooker light it up against Alabama. Wonderful. Can we just talk about Hinton Hooker for a second? I mean, wow. What a player. Could you imagine what having a quarterback like him would have been like on a team with, I don't know, Khalil Herbert, Raheem Blackshear, Trey Turner, and Tavian Robinson? I mean, an offense with that kind of power power would have been unstoppable, right? On a serious note, super happy for him, and he deserves all the success that he's getting right now. Our once really good punter since, uh, I don't know, the pit game has been awful, and <laughs> our offense isn't good enough to get a first down, man. It really sucks <laughs> we're taking 28-yard punts on average. So, uh, yeah, I think something's wrong with Peter, and uh, that's about it. I'm going to hang up and listen to you, man. I'm I on the swing set again. Can't get used to this losing, guys. we got to figure something out. Love y'all. Have a good one. I'm so happy people decided to call in this week because that was fantastic. The one I, I think I liked the most was the guy that's like, how is there no game on ACC Network during our game? And they don't have a game. This network is a joke. Anyway, the game was terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he, want, he wanted to watch it so bad, but the game sucked. Like it wasn't worth watching. It, the the dichotomy of his comments just really, really got me good. But there were some other good ones. We heard from Joe Rogers, uh, famously from Twitter. Um, you might know the the virtual running back that became a Twitter handle. <laughs> yes, which is was fantastic, and I love the. Uh... I love the my wife thinks I'm, I might go Chris Benoit. Oh my uh, god, that was funny as shit. Uh, in in a dark way, but oh my god, that was funny. It was it was very dark, but but pretty it made me laugh. 
it made me laugh quite a bit as well. That was thank you for the calls as always. Hit us up this weekend. Actually, no, hit us up when we're playing NC State. It's 540-251-2169. I'll remind you of the number next week, but keep the calls coming. Last week was light, but this week was so good. Thank you for calling. Let's hop into the game recap, Robbie. We had a nice little drive going to start the game, but we fumbled. And it really seemed to affect the team. We couldn't do anything on offense for about 40 minutes after that. And Miami took a 7-0 lead right away on a quick four-play drive. They added a field goal on a brutal 18-play drive, which I never thought would end. So they're up 10. And then they scored another TD midway through the second on the pass to Colby Young. That was another 80-yard drive. I wasn't feeling optimistic at the 17-0 halftime score. We held them to a field goal in the third quarter, but the game was just downright boring until the fourth when we decided that we're going to start playing. We scored a touchdown on a 65-yard drive, scored on that like out pattern to Malachi. He reached for the pylon, got the touchdown, and then we had to punt because of Holston's drop, but got the ball back and scored again set up by the incredible catch by Gallo on fourth down. Wells ran it in. That made it 20-14. to 14. And it felt like we might have had a chance, but we just could not get a stop on Miami on the, on the last drive they had. And uh, we lost 20-14. to 14. If that had gone another 10 minutes, uh, we might have won. However, maybe we should have started playing 10 to 15 minutes before that. <laughs> yes. You, you can't wait 48 minutes uh, to score your, your first touchdown and then think that things are going to end up well. I, I will, you know, credit credit to the defense. They gave up three points in the whole second half. Uh, that was also because Miami turned into zombies because we lo- we lulled them to sleep. It was like mm-hmm. some trickery that we did to them, um, and they they kind of fell asleep on it there. But they, they still held them to only three points, so uh, credit to them in the second half. Yeah, I would say the stories of the game were the pitiful offense for the first 45 minutes. But again, the late fight that they showed because they could have let the scoring streak stop, like one of our callers said. I was really starting to question the staff. Like we really haven't uh, gotten on the staff too, too much because they are new and we want to give them time. But halfway through and three quarters of the way through that game, I'm like, what am I watching? I have not seen any improvements since ODU. Like maybe a little fight here and there, maybe a little offensive line boost here and there. But like ultimately the product is no better than it was week one. Like what the hell is going on? And then in the fourth quarter, they showed signs of life and it made me feel a lot better. But are we going to see that again next game? That that's the thing. It's like, we keep thinking, Oh, we kind of turned a corner against Pitt. Like we, we played a competitive full game for the most part. Um, and then we couldn't wake up on homecoming weekend for three quarters. I just hope that that beginning of the fourth was rock bottom for this team, right? Mm -hmm. Like the rock bottom we're going to see this year. And then from that quarter on, we're gonna play better. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> I, I like your I like your thought process. It was those everybody's saying it. Those first three quarters were absolutely abysmal football. I mean, the offense, our first uh, once again, we have a great first drive because that's the only drive where people don't know what we're going to do. And <laughs> thereafter they already do. But of course we fumble the ball on on that. 
it happens every game. We have a come out with a you know pretty nice drive, and then everything just goes absolutely flat lines uh, for this for this team. Um, it, I was watching the Tennessee game, and I just had this thought process when you're watching an offense like Tennessee has that their drives just always seem to extend. I I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, it's got to be like fourth down now, doesn't it already? But they you always they're always capable of just getting a first down. We struggle so mightily just to get any first down. Like it is, I've never, since we've started this podcast, recalled a time, and we've had a lot of bad offenses uh, over the years. <laughs> yeah, I've never recalled a time where it seems such a hill to climb just to get a single first down sometimes it is it can be rough to watch honestly yeah it you're absolutely right like it is a war every single set of downs to go 10 yards and so often we find ourselves in third and seven or worse and wells had a bad start to the game his completion percentage over the last few games wasn't looking so good he started the game he missed a few balls and i i'm just like i'm saying to myself we we can't play this guy if he's going to hit 50% of his passes. Like, I, I know he's getting pressured, and I know the receivers aren't very good, but there was, there's been open receivers that he just overthrows or completely misses sometimes, and, like, you got to have the easy ones. And as the game wore on, he did start to play better, and it made a big difference. But the story of the O-line and the wide receivers letting him down was absolutely true the entire time. Yeah, six sacks in this game. Probably, he was. They only got credited with one QB hurry in addition to the six sacks. I think that there was more. The offensive there had to line. be more. There was yeah. definitely a lot more. I don't believe. I don't believe any of those. The pass defended. I've talked about it on here. Pass defended stats. I don't believe. And they're the, all judgment calls. They're, they're judgment call stats. I don't. I don't believe. So. He did a decent amount with his legs to get out of some really sticky and hairy situations in there. But there just needs to be more. And I think Pry, after the game, really the first we've sort of heard, and I think Bitter hit on this pretty well, the first call to, we are just basically saying unoriginal. Like, we got to do something more. We do not have the... He's basically saying we don't have the talent... And we don't have the the scheme set up right now such that we can just run behind the tackles and come up with first downs. We we don't. We're going to have to be imaginative for this thing to work and have a semblance of an offense this year. Yeah, he called it vanilla. He said it's too easy for defenses to know what we're doing. I mean, he he really called out the, the entire offensive staff and mostly the offensive coordinator and that, like, our offensive scheme sucks right now. That that's the paraphrasing of what he said. He said it in a nice way, but like that's essentially what he said. And it's true because we're not getting enough offensively. Like this we have enough guys on the O-line in the backfield and even at quarterback, you know, a former FBF starting quarterback before he even got here for 2 years. Like we shouldn't be 116th in scoring and 122nd in yards per play and all the other crappy stats on offense. We should not be this bad. We just shouldn't. The The offensive coaching staff needs a nice long look in the mirror 
this bye week because they got to be better. And it's nice that we're hearing that from Pry because that is something we never heard Fuente do. Mm-hmm. It, like he, he would say, oh, we, you know, we all need to be better. But he never like called out corn, like or yeah. called out the offense. Like he never did that. So that at least gave me a little bit of comfort. As far as like the individual plays of the game and the players, like that drop by Lofton, like I almost blew a freaking gasket because (laughs) to that point we had played so bad. We had done absolutely nothing. No one had made a play. And then Wells touched by an angel gets out of the, out of the pocket, beautiful on the money throw to an in stride receiver and Lofton drops the ball. Like I, I was sick. Like I was absolutely sick to my stomach. Like you can't have that drop. And you know what? I didn't even see a hands to the helmet, like a sink to the ground, like often jogged back. And like, maybe I'm reading too much into the body language, but like that you needed to look remorseful after that bullshit. Like that was so bad. So like a microcosm of our season. Like I just wanted to put my fist through the TV screen and Lofton came back and he made a couple nice catches and, and but I'll, I'll say that the hype we heard before the off season, like that was, it was lip service. Like I have not seen shit from that kid and I hope that he continues to improve and play better, but that drop was horrific. Yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. And, and I think it, when I, before we came on the podcast, I was trying to summarize what my thoughts were and where, we're we're in a bad way right now on this season and i was trying to think of these final games and and how to articulate or summarize what the issue is that the team really has no swagger whatsoever like there is nothing even on the defense sometimes though i'd love to see him for hell we're already setting records this year for penalties like let's get some penalties for a good reason like get (laughs) get chippy like do something you like it's you know i i trade crypto and there's this meme you may have seen it where it's like the stick figure like poking something it's like do something when you know that uh it's like you know show me something give me some and you know fake it until you you know make it i guess at this point that's that's and that he should be he should be pissed that he dropped that and it just seemed like hey you know like if you dropped it in practice mm-hmm. you'd be like god damn that's what you it know? felt like to me yeah and it's not practice it's a game we need a little bit more leadership like grant wells he's got skills and he can make plays at times but like he's not like the swag leader <laughs> by yeah. by any stretch. You could tell just by looking at him. Like, you know, we they called the offense vanilla. Like Grant Wells is vanilla. Like yes. he, that that's that's what he is. Uh, we need someone on that offense to to grab the bull by the horns and say let's go. And maybe it's Malachi because Malachi is one of the few guys out there that like he's come back and he he can make a play. There was a third down. I was a little disappointed he didn't break a tackle and it was like a. Th- a third and two and like we passed it out to the flat and like he got tackled right away. But by and large, he, he's one of the few guys that can, can do something. And he yeah. showed shown that in just two weeks and Smith is, and King is, I don't know why King got one carry. Did you see him get hurt? People are saying I he got hurt. Bitter didn't mention it. I, I but no, in fact, bitter carry? mentioned the same thing. Bitter 
Bitter's comment in one of his articles was it seemed like he was underutilized. I don't think Bitter would have said that if he got any inkling that he was he was injured in the game. So I don't think so, but maybe I'm missing something. Well, we need to get King and him, and several people have said this, backfield at the same time. Like Put any guy who can do something out there. We're talking Smith, Wright, Malachi, King, to a lesser degree, Gallo and maybe Lofton if he's if if they decide they want to play him this week which they which they will I'm just kind of kidding but Gallo made that great snag I mean that was a touchdown if he doesn't make that catch we don't score a touchdown so he he's he's uh officially on the on the nice list (laughs) yeah so so those those five guys or so they all need to play and they all need to play a lot of snaps because we need someone that can like give the team a little juice and make a play when we need one. And the fumble in the beginning of the game, you talked about it. The fumble in the pit game, talked about that last week. Yep. These were killer fumbles both times. Really killer. I, I know in the beginning of the game it shouldn't be like that, but like we're a team that's struggling. We need to get momentum going. And you fumble on the first drive, and that was Daquan Wright, I think, on that one. Yes. Accidents happen. Fumbles happen. But, man, those were killer. And we just we need to find a way to overcome that more quickly. We can't wait forty minutes after that happens to to overcome it. I mean, Miami had seventeen penalties in this game, and we still lost. Like, and I know we made other mistakes, but like when a team makes seventeen penalties, you should win the freaking game. (laughs) So they had seventeen penalties for one hundred and fifty nine yards, and Grant Wells threw for one hundred and seventy nine yards. So they gifted us almost as many yards as we had passing, and yet we still lost this game. So it's it's tough. Uh, That's why. It, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're go go right that, ahead. That's why. Just the whole narrative of you know we're, we're close. Like we're you know we we're kind of close in the pick game, and we we're, we we covered in the Miami game, which even I tweeted like, hey, we covered. That's nice. But like that game should have been way worse. You mentioned them getting lulled to sleep. That absolutely happened. They were up 20 to nothing. Do you think their vigor and their like, you know, energy in that game was where it needed to be at that point? No. They got lulled to sleep. We had a little comeback. They knew that they probably weren't going to lose the game, and they didn't, even though they committed 17 penalties. Like that game really shouldn't have been close at all. Yeah. So, I'll I'll take the small win of us not folding up and just deciding not to score. We we went out there, put a couple of nice drives together, and made it interesting. But this game should have been worse. And we gave up six touchdowns and 320 yards last game. Something needs to happen in this bye week. Something magical. <laughs> because we gotta yeah. we gotta make it <laughs> we gotta make some strides for the for the rest of the season. You know, I haven't seen anybody diagnose and or dissect is probably a better word for it. This whole phrase that Pry has had since the beginning of the year, and he said it again this week, which and you just alluded to it, which is we're so close, or I I see you know nobody sees how close we are to, and I guess my question is close to what, <laughs> but no seriously, so close to, are we just? that close to the maximum potential of what this team can do based on the talent that we have and what he's seeing so that 
are we that close to being a six and six team? Is I think what he's actually saying. I think what when he says that, I don't think I don't think he means we're so close to being what we want to be, and this could be a ten and two team. I don't think he means that. I think he no, means he does. We are. He means he we means are so winning close. an individual game. <laughs> yeah, but we're so close to even if we hit that threshold that he's saying we are. I still think we're staring at a six and six team overall. So there's a there's just a cap on I think what he he believes that the team is capable of like at this point. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think he thinks we are close to winning more than we lose in terms of those little <laughs> battles throughout the game. Right. You know what I mean? Like instead of having a Parker Clements personal foul, we don't get that and we get a field goal. And that's just like one win. And then yep. instead of fumbling, maybe we go down and kick a field goal. And that's another little win. Like we're close to doing those things, but we're not doing them. And we're yeah. doing all of these mistakes in mass right now. And it, it is weird that we've come reasonably close to winning the last couple games based on what we're doing. Cause we really have not played well in all three phases, the last two games, like yeah. at times there's been some bright spots, but we really haven't played very well and we're close. And that really is just a symptom of college football. Like there's going to be a week where we make like a mistake in the entire game and we might kill someone. Like we, we really, that might happen because college football is so weird like that because the other team has 17 penalties or turns the <laughs> ball over four times. And and that's something we'll come back to. But like, we have not had any turnover luck this year. We've had five turnovers the entire season. And since BC, I think we've had maybe two. We have yeah. two interceptions the entire year. Yeah. Like imagine a Virginia Tech defense with two interceptions through seven games. Like that is absurd. And so part of it is just, we are not getting lucky, but at this stage of our building, you need to make your own luck. And we're not doing that. Yeah. The old golf adage is the more I practice, the luckier I get, which yeah. is, you know, you're creating your own luck by, you know, putting yourself in spots that luck happens. So yeah, I guess we are close. We are that close in a few turns from being a mediocre football team. And right now we are less than mediocre. That is probably how I'm going to have to take it and, and run with it. Yeah. I think, I think he means we are so close to being par. Yes. <laughs> if you want to go back to golf. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's talk quickly about the defense before we do our final takeaways and maybe make some picks here. The D started off poorly. And I, I will say that, Miami's receivers were just making great catches. However, I think they were able to make those great catches because we weren't contesting those catches. Yes. They had some very, yeah, they did seem a little bit more athletic, but the de the defensive coverage on a lot of those catches was not very good, whether it was body positioning or getting in there and, at at times, sometimes our defensive backs, it's it's very binary for them. It's either one, it's an uncontested catch and they're not really in it at all, or two, it's just a flagrant PI. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you gotta find that balance where there's a, enough rub that you don't get called, but it, you know, kind of blocks it. And um they they did. They made some nice catches. I, I just think 
we didn't have the athleticism to put some more pressure on pressure on them and make them more difficult than they should have been. 458 yards of offense for Miami, 6.2 yards per play. But I'll say the defense did adjust because the three points in the second half, only 146 yards allowed in that second half. But Miami was 4-4 in the red zone, something we talked about in the preview. If if they convert in the red zone every single time or get yeah. just as many TDs as field goals, like this is going to be a problem, and, and it was. The bright spot was, of course, Mansoor Delaney. He's a starter now. Like yeah. we, we have to get Murray out of there. Between Murray and Holston and a couple of the other older guys, like it's time to move on. I, mm-hmm. I'm that that drop that Holston had was wasn't the worst drop of the game, but it was kind of <laughs> critical. And we saw his deflection that led to an interception against ODU. I'm done. I am done with Jalen Holston. Thank you for playing with this team and doing all you did for Tech. But let's get the young guys in there and let's. Let's get the guys with a better yards per carry average like King and and Malachi all the carries and all the catches from here on out. And uh, same goes for defense. Got to get Murray out of there. Stroman had 11 tackles filling in for Peoples. Mm -hmm. So that was good to see. Future of the safety position. And then Tisdale, first game back, had nine tackles. Yeah, he played really well um, from what I saw in there. Yeah. The special teams. uh, Our caller mentioned it, but... Is something wrong with Peter Moore? Are we officially on that watch? I, he I he ended so. up booming some later in the game, but early in the game, there were some some stinkers again. I think he was getting too much recognition and he was trying to you know deflect some of uh, everybody's focus elsewhere. Also, our, we are one of the worst punt returning oh teams in the country. It is... It's now become comical at this point. It's so it's, bad, dude. I think, and I mean that statistically, we are one of the worst punt returning teams, I think, in the in the country. 125th. Yards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Um, and uh, so, yeah, special teams has, has not been um, not been ideal. No. Yeah. I Before it was them not catching them and letting them roll too far. Now they're catching them and not just not doing anything. Like either getting taken down, if they're not almost muffing it, they're getting taken down immediately or for a loss. So we got we got to do something because the Beamer ball, other than the one block we had, which was kind of because of a pit mistake, um, Beamer ball has not been there. Before we get to our final takeaways for the game, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer, the two best beer stores in the DMV. Downtown Crown is located in Gaithersburg. It's right where 270 and 370 meet. They've got a beautiful setup inside as well as a fantastic selection of local Maryland beers and just beers from all around the country. You you cannot beat the selection there. The other half stuff that they get, the new releases all the time, great stuff. And then Dominion Wine and Beer is right in Falls Church where most of our our Hokies live, Nova area. main street they've got the indoor setup they've got the outdoor setup tremendous selection of virginia beers and that's where me and rob would go a lot of times to get some of our beers for the podcast that's right go get some beers while you're there sit down grab some food get some stuff to go there are actually there's a few breweries i think nearby as well so you could do one of those day trips uh hit a couple breweries pop over there grab some beers put it on the list uh have some of the food because it's uh it's great and 
it was cold. I was out there today. It's a little chilly. I was uh, on the golf course, and when the seasons change, that's the best time to go out and and change your your brand and your type of beer that you're getting. So move on. You can start picking up maybe some stouts yeah, a little man. bit early. But uh, if, if if you think it's too early for the stouts, you can stick with. Uh, the Oktoberfest if they still have them or of course the pumpkin beers given we are two weeks away from Halloween so definitely they will have anything you want there I'm about to do a beer break but my neighbors put up their Christmas decorations this week nice so in one yard there's a graveyard that my my neighbor has created like a faux (laughs) graveyard on his front lawn and then next door is Christmas yes (laughs) You know what the person with the graveyard needs to do? Put like a Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, like gravestone, you know, tombstone <laughs> yeah, right there. Do, just, man. To, just to. I remember when my mom used to get pissed because people would put up their decorations before Thanksgiving. That was when I was growing up. She used to be like, oh, putting up your decorations before Thanksgiving. What are you doing? And now people, yes, are putting it's them October up. It's October 18th. Like, yeah. what? There's a fine line. You cannot, absolutely cannot put them up before Halloween. Thanksgiving, I, I that's when my family always did it, was after Thanksgiving. Yeah. But, like, you can't go before Halloween. Come on. <laughs> well, a lot of people, the whole thing used to be during Thanksgiving weekend, you could do the lights. Right. That was part of the thing. Everybody's had at an home. extra day off. Yeah. Outside of football and eating a bunch of turkey and falling asleep on the couch drunk, you would put up some lights. That was the whole thing. You don't put them up before. A kid should not be walking down the street dressed <laughs> as the, the devil or as a soccer player trick-or-treating and walk past a house with Christmas lights up or holiday lights. It doesn't, it's just doesn't make any sense. It is so stupid. But anyway, I'm still in Halloween mode. I'm still on pumpkin beer mode. And tonight I'm going with the Weyerbacher Imperial Pumpkin Air. Ale. Imperial, hard for me to say there. Imperial <laughs> Pumpkin Ale. I've, I think I've had this one on the pod. I'm not sure. But uh, it's one of my favorites. It's a Pennsylvania brewery, 8% alcohol by volume. It's got all the spices you want in there, the cinnamon, the nutmeg, cloves, even cardamom. Not something Ooh. I'm too, too familiar with, but that one's in there as well. Uh, but Weyerbacher's got a nice little tasting room somewhere out in the middle of PA. I've been there before. But I love this beer. It's a little bit on the dark side, kind of a dark amber color. That 8% is unnoticeable. Because this thing is is so freaking good. But yeah, the Weyerbacher Imperial Pumpkin Ale. I would highly recommend it if you can find it. I think it has pretty good distribution. You should be able to find it in this region. So coming out of this game, Rob, we covered, but we are still three games under 500 for the first time since 1992. Okay. And we talked about the bottoming out that we're experiencing this year. We could have had a bunch of turnovers in that game, and then it could have been worse. It could have been interceptions and more fumbles, whatever the case may be. So it could get a little bit worse, but it would be difficult. It would be it would be a challenge, especially with the teams that we have left on the schedule and how they've been performing thus far this year. And we're going into this NC State game next week on a Thursday night in Raleigh. 
Like that's not a great way to get off the four game losing streak. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's going to be a really difficult game. So we're probably not definitely, but probably going to slip to four games under 500. And so as long as we just don't look inept against NC State, I think we could potentially win. There are a few things I like about that matchup, like their run defense. They have a good defense, but their run defense in in terms of yards per carry is not very good. It's 89th in the country. So, like, that's one thing with Malachi and King that maybe that could help us, you know. If if we were going up against a team with Grant Wells in our current situation, wouldn't you want them to have a worse rush D almost than pass D just yeah. because it means we could get our offense going a little bit? Yeah, we talked to – you and I talked about that, I think, on either the last podcast or the podcast before that. Uh, I, I don't want to get too much because we'll do – the preview yeah. for NC State. I think a Thursday night on the road in a game where expectations for your team have really bottomed out is actually a really nice spot to to start to you know put the paddles on the chest and spark a little bit of life. I don't know whether it'll be sustainable or what it is, but I think it's a really good time for that to happen you're not at home you don't have the pressure of your own fans being all pissed off things like that you don't really have a whole lot of expectation Um, and it's a team that's susceptible because they they lost their quarterback and that's difficult and like you said they don't have a very good run defense so I think that's why I think it's it could be the bottom I think we could show some life in that game we we may not, but I, I think we could and and start to see something that could get us maybe closer to 500 by the end of this season. Yeah, and the other thing about when a team has a bad yard per carry average on their defense, it usually is a tell of a weak D-line. And mm-hmm. what Tech is struggling with right now, if you looked at the West Virginia game and the Pitt game and the Miami game, when they have dudes on the D-line weak, have a hard time competing in the trenches. Like we just, that's not going to work for us. If, if they're, we were better off if they have a better secondary and a worse D line is what I'm trying to say. And that, I think that could be the case against NC state, but I think the bye week comes at a much needed time. Like you're getting at, like this gives us a chance to look at the tape, let pry look at the offensive tape and say, Hey, these are the things that you're doing wrong. Or these are the things that like are easy to figure out. (laughs) <laughs> and we, you need to do something different. He's a freaking um, defensive coordinator, like at heart. Right. So it, it should be very easy for him to, to articulate to the offense. Listen, assholes. If I was on the other side of the ball, this is what I would like be scouting against you guys. And I, it's obvious when he's looking at it, he probably is like, dude, I already know what's coming. These guys mm-hmm. like, you need to do something different. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And the offensive coaches, as we already went over, they are not the MVP of this team after the first half of the season. They have been, they've been terrible. And uh, whether even Joe Rudolph, I, he may not be working with you know his cards, but it's not it's not an empty hand. You know he's got he's got something to work with, and the results have been have been pretty poor. But now we've got our playmaker and Malachi back. You can start to game plan with him in there. 
Maybe you come up with some creative ways to get your playmakers involved, and we have a much better offensive last five games. I mean, that's that's what you want coming out of the bye week. Now, NC State's coming out of a bye week too, and they have a new quarterback, and they're going to be trying to figure things out. But even if we don't win that, we got Duke, Liberty, UVA, and GT. And I know Duke's having a solid year, and Liberty only has one loss. But like all of those games are winnable games. None of those teams are very far from us and the SP plus. I put that out on Twitter. Like they're all within just about 10 spots except for NC State. So you're gonna be up against winnable, beatable opponents. So you gotta come away with some wins. Like you at the very least, we have to beat UVA, right? Like that that's yes. the one everyone's saying is the most winnable. But you should come away with one of those other ones or two of those other ones also. Yep. Yeah. I would say I would say to I think you need to come away with two to to really for people to not be really scared shitless <laughs> yeah. going into next season. Yeah, I think you're right. I think two is like the minimum. Otherwise, it's all right, are we getting rid of Bowen? You know, it, it's going it, to like those questions are going to start. Um, you got to show progress. First and foremost, if you lose every one on a last second field goal, okay. All right. You were in all of them and you didn't commit a lot of penalties and you only turned the ball over a couple times through those last few games. I like it. We're going to be better next year. But if you get blown out or you give me three quarters, like we just saw in a couple of those games. No, it's, it's not looking good for the offensive staff at that point. No. Yeah. Pry is very early in his tenure. There has to be a lot of patience with what he is doing. I don't think Bowen's going to get that same patience. What's uh, It already doesn't sound like it. It's not the case that it's not good. It's dreadful at times. Just really, really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And he has no track record and virtually no experience. Like He's young enough to the point that... like. If it were to go bad, and I'm not trying to fire Bowen already, I am not. But if it were to go bad and look just as bad throughout the rest of this year, like it doesn't seem as if Pry would have a problem moving on. That's that's the gist that I'm getting. And or maybe they just move him somewhere else and make Rudolph the offensive coordinator. I don't know. But that's comforting almost. Is that like he seems like a guy that's unhappy, like Pry's not happy with the offense right now. And if changes needed to be made, they can be made. And that's exactly what we wanted and that we never got from the previous staff. So hopefully it doesn't come to that. And I don't want it to come to that. I want I want us to get our crap together in this bye week and score 30 points a game. But right now, we're under 20. And it's our lowest scoring offensive output per game since 1987 or some shit. So it's got to get better and it's got to get better quick against this what is a very easy schedule down the stretch? Like, you've got to look good. All right, let's move to the picks. This is not nearly as good as the matchups we had last week. In no. fact, we're picking mostly kind of lame ACC games, but there was a couple ranked matchups at the end here. Let's start with UVA at Georgia Tech. Coastal matchup. Georgia Tech, now that they got rid of Jeff Collins, they're, they're playing much better. They are three-point favorites at home. What do you got in this one, man? I am going to take Georgia Tech in this game, given it's at 
home. Yeah, I'm going to take JT as well. UVA is, they are struggling. Syracuse at Clemson. Clemson, 13 and a half point favorites in this matchup of unbeatens. Who would have thought? I'm going to go with Clemson. Yeah, so am I. Dabo's already got his chip on his shoulder, his his disrespect chip uh, on his shoulder that he's been he's been throwing out there. So Duke at Miami, Miami eight and a half point favorites at home. Duke's feisty. I think I'm going to take Duke. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I think Miami might still be asleep. Uh, it's at home. I, that atmosphere in a Duke game is almost like nothing. There's right. not going to be. There's not going to be anything. So. I don't think there's any advantage whatsoever for this being a home game. And I, I think Duke is, they're playing well. I think they're, they're legit. They're a legit, well-coached uh, team. That's at this point. Yeah. Next game, BC at wake, wake 21 point favorites. It's, that's a big line. Um, weird game between these two schools, two, yes. two sleepy places in this one. But, uh, it is hard not to just take Wake in the points on this because BC is they're they're falling apart yet again. They had a, a couple games there where they showed signs of life, but uh, uh, I, I'll take Wake. I, I don't love it because it is a lot of points for Wake Forest. And Wake Forest, I'm going with BC. Wake Forest's defense isn't great, so I'm going to okay. go with BC. Uh, it is a it's a lot of points. BC is a nightmare right now, but I'm going to stick with it. All right, moving outside the conference, UCLA at Oregon. This is a top 15 matchup. Oregon, six-point favorites at home. They have really surprised me this year. UCLA also was surprised, but they also, like, they kind of swing and miss sometimes. So I'm going to take Oregon. I've got an inside source, so I have to take Oregon because... <laughs> That's uh, right. Yeah, so I got to... I, I, I'm surprised that Oregon is favored by six. I thought this line would have been. I thought could, I thought this could have been a pick'em. So the the line is a little bit interesting to me, but I'm still going to go with Oregon. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Mississippi State at Bama. Mississippi State, man. I I just when I thought that Leach had it going, yeah. he he fucks it up, and that's kind yes. of that's kind of what Mike Leach does as well. But yes. Bama. Getting twenty one. I mean, they're they're going to take out their anger. I guess is what everyone's oh, thinking in this one. They they are going to, especially since they had, was it twenty one penalties? Uh, it was, I think they had seventeen, just like my seventeen. They had seventeen as well. They are going to come out something vicious in this game. So I am taking <laughs> Alabama. And if let me put it differently, if they don't come out and win this game by like 28 or 35 points, I think they are really in a tough spot to make the playoff and, and really kind of finish off this season. Because yeah, if they this, is, this is the spot where they should come out. Yeah, and just they need roll. to, like, if you want to have confidence that they are going to be something later in the year, like, they can't win by seven. Like, they, yes. they need to put it on them. Yeah, and I'm going to take Bama as well, that 21. Kansas State at TCU. This is another uh, top 20 match. It might be top 15. TCU, three and a half point favorites. They are still undefeated. Yep. They escaped one. Um, I think TCU's due for a loss, and you get the hook. So yep. I'm going to take Kansas State. Kansas State's defense is really good, too. So 
TCU, the Horn Frogs are a little bit like Utah and the Utes for me. That if I jump on them because I'm rooting for them, they're definitely going to lose, and that's what happened with Utah. So I'm going to go with Kansas State as well, but I'm secretly rooting for TCU to keep this run going. You'll like this. I was at Costco, and you know when you're at Costco, they have the big tables of clothes. Yeah. And so there's like a table of sports stuff and I'm in Jersey. So everything's like Philly and Penn state and all this stuff. So I'm going down the line, I'm looking at all the gear and I get to the red pile, which is always Rutgers. And there's a Utah Utes shirt, like right on the top. Really? <laughs> and I'm like, you- I'm like, what, what the heck? And it's like the font, everything. It's exactly the same as Rutgers. Like clearly it was like a mistake because there's oh. like there's thirty Rucker shirts and then one Utah shirt. <laughs> Dude, you should have bought that. It would have been fantastic. I would have worn it. I was. Um, I felt like it was a sign. <laughs> yeah. And then you immediately, you know, bet on Utah. So. But it was so funny. I was like thinking of you when I saw that. That's but uh, yeah, the Utes are big here in Jersey. <laughs> yes, that, yes, we are. They've big, got a following big. of one. <laughs> yeah, one one person. <laughs> but anyway. Um, that's going to do it for the pod. I appreciate everyone listening in We're the bye weeks are nice. Cause we don't have to do as much prep. Um, but I still hate them. I still like to watch the team. Maybe it's a relief this, this year, but, yes. uh, I'm, I'm still going to miss it and just have to enjoy some of the, the better football out there this weekend, I guess, <laughs> you know, I was kind of looking to uh, spend the weekend watching good football. So uh, it's it's kind of nice to have uh, have a week off. And last weekend, I really thought was going to be amazing. And, and it was good from the Bama-Tennessee perspective. Yeah. But a lot of, like, the Michigan-Penn State game kind of fell flat. Yep. The, I didn't get as many eyes on the OK State-TCU game because I know that one was good. And UNC and Duke was good, although that wasn't really expected. Some yeah. of the bigger matchups weren't weren't as tasty as they as they should like the syracuse game was like no fun yeah. at all yeah exactly so it, but i think the you know tennessee alabama there was only room for only room for one yeah that was that the main way. course and the the weeks that you don't think are going to be good are always good so i'm hoping this yep. weekend will be fun Anyway, that's going to do it. You can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT, 2DVT at gmail.com. If you want to send us anything, uh, let us know what you think of the pod. And then Apple Podcasts, Spotify, make sure to subscribe. And then 2DVT.com is our website. You can stream all the podcasts, check out all the beers we've had over the years. And until next time, when we will be getting you ready for Thursday night against the Wolfpack, go Hokies. Go Hokies.